Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia, as we return back to sports. It looks like the NBA is back on July 31st, and we have some good news to start the show this morning. Of course, I'm Craig. He's Joe. You can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, me at Craig Bish, Joe at Joe Pizzapia17. Most importantly, SportsGrid on Twitter, at SportsGrid. That's how you get us, and over at SportsGrid.com. Great to be with you this morning, Joe, and got some really good news, as uh, it does appear that Barring something unforeseen, and we should always use that little asterisk because there's a lot of unforeseen, um, you know, especially here in the state of Florida, too, I would add, where uh, we had more cases uh, yesterday than we've had in, in all of uh, May and, and June. So I don't really know what's going on, to be honest with you. But hypothetically speaking, it looks like <laughs> the uh, NBA is back on July 31st. That certainly is a great way to start today. It is. It is. We have about, uh, well, less than 60 days now to prepare for those of you who have kind of been neglected of the NBA for a few years, like I have. So I have time now to get back into it. Uh, I am excited to try. And this is a unique opportunity where we're going to have some standalone NBA, at least for a little while, it would appear. Unless, of course, Major League Baseball swoops in and steals our hearts again. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but that is a little troubling, that little bit of information you just told me here. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to think that it's better to be playing in New York and New Jersey than it is in Florida, because it seems like Florida is the place where everybody's going to play. So uh, I'm slightly concerned with that bit of news. Has that in any way, shape or form impacted at all what's going on here? Oh, I mean, it just, you know, I, I don't know. It came down late yesterday that over 1,300 people tested positive, And so that was the highest one day total since April. Uh, look, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not an expert as far as that's concerned. My guess is that the NBA will press forward. But like everything else, we always have to take this with a grain of salt. You had overseas a couple of, uh, you know, Asian players testing positive, too. Yeah. And that derailed their, uh, at least their spring training or their exhibition. And so we're just going to, you know, kind of have to play it by ear. But hypothetically speaking, if the show does go on, 22 teams are going to head to Orlando. So essentially... This is going to be uh, 16 playoff teams that are currently seated right now. And the best news about all of this, and I know we discussed this previously, and now it all makes sense. They are not going to have any of the teams and the players who have nothing to play for. They're not going to Orlando. So uh, it will be only the teams that still have a chance to get into the postseason. And eight uh, regular season games will be played, which satisfies, I suppose, between the players and the owners that whole TV deal. Uh, we thought it, it would be 10 or 12. It ends up being eight. And so it'll certainly be interesting to see how they have this, uh, you know, sort of flurry to play the last few regular season games. And then uh, in Orlando, they're going to play out the uh, the playoffs somehow. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing if there's going to be day games, there's going to be night games. But look, we'll take anything that we can get. And lo and behold, we're less than two months away from it. Yeah, and look, this is a this is a smart thing. You kind of alluded to this earlier uh, in the week, where you said it's probably wise to not play these meaningless games with players who have no reason to expose themselves to anything at this point in the season. So why not just keep them at home and continue on? And that seems to be what the NBA is doing here, and it seems like a good call. And there are going to be a few less of these games as well, which also seems like a good call because 
why play regular season games that you don't have to when you don't have to? At this point in the NBA season, you are so close to the end. So that's uh, really exciting stuff, like I said. I mean, to have any sort of playoff sports coming our way this summer is going to be fantastic because there's a huge vacuum right now in the sports world. There has been for a couple months now, and we could all use something fun. And I think it's a great opportunity again for the NBA uh, that has more stars spread out than they have in previous seasons and some fresh blood and some fresh teams in there that have a legitimate chance to win a world championship. Because I think in the last 10 years, we all kind of looked at the same three or four teams every year of, okay, it's going to be this team and this team at the end and whatever it is. And it kind of was a fait complete. Now I think it's a little bit more wide open. And I think that makes for more fun. And we didn't have March Madness this year. So I guess we're going to have July, August Madness. I guess that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely great news if they can get this going. And certainly uh, it looks like that they have been um, you know planning this and they still have over a month and a half to get things started and get things going. So we'll hope for the best for sure with the NBA. Uh, you know, a few teams and a few stars certainly were left out of this thing. Trey Young was a player that, uh, you know, had a great year and I was looking forward to seeing a little bit. But again, you, you're not going to force players into situations where they're just risking their health for nothing. I'm glad the NBA saw that and uh, those guys will end up staying home. Uh, in terms of uh, NFL news, uh, you know, not really much today, Joe. The only thing that I noticed was uh, the report that essentially there'll be nothing happening, none of these, uh, you know, mini camps in May and June. And then the first time that players will be on the field will be July and, um, you know, gives gives them essentially another month and a half or themselves to get ready. And I know here in South Florida, uh, where the Dolphins practice, it's very it's basically where my kids go to school. It's, you know, five feet away. They, they mm -hmm. practice on the field right there. And I know that they're already planning to have that uh, there again this year, but potentially without fans. And there's really no reason to have fans at training camp for the most part. I know NFL fans will be disappointed to hear that. I know a lot of people go. But realistically speaking, uh, the first time we could potentially see any fans at uh, in any NFL game would be, I, I think, the preseason. And, and I think even that may be a little optimistic at this point. Well, hey, look, if, if fans want to see practices and they're bummed that they can't go, then let's set up some cameras and live stream some stuff. I mean, we have incredible technology at our fingertips if that's what people really want to do and if it'll help people. Uh, for you know an hour out of their day, watch a little of the Dolphins practice, and it makes them happy. Well, let's set that up. Why can't we do that? Why can't <laughs> Dolphins.com uh, or NFL.com have a streaming page for every team's practices? I would imagine if they're open to the public, why they can't be open to the public streaming-wise? There's no reason not to do that. It would be a very good PR move as well. Uh, the fascinating thing to me with this is also how this affects the rookies. We always talk about, you know, it's always difficult as a rookie in the NFL, uh, especially for running backs typically. And I, I just want to warn everybody that, you know, the less time they have to gain the trust of the coaching staff, the less time they have to acclimate themselves and to prove themselves in the system, that it could be a slower start for some of these guys. And I know the talent's enormous, but I think you have to take that into account when you're considering their ADP, when you're considering the draft slotting of these guys, because they all have enormous talent. They also all have, for the most part, veterans or guys at least who have been playing in the NFL the previous season at the very least ahead of them on the depth chart for the most part. So in at least the early going in the NFL, that's something to keep in mind for the first month of the season. I'm not saying in 2021, these guys can't be better. I'm not saying right now they might not be the better running back talent in the backfield, but it's about usage. It's about touches and fantasy football. It's something that is crucial to your success. So that being said, I think you have to at least go slowly and temper your expectations right away. I had one question for you, you know, to go back to the NBA real quick with the possible game seven being October 12th, when would the start up? Th I mean, I know I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, 
but how much would that push off the next regular season starting? I think that they would almost go right into the next one from what I read. Wow, that's incredible. Almost like a oh, two-week they've had off. all this time off. Well, they, they haven't they haven't done anything in two months, three months. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So, I, did, I didn't know if they were, you know, I mean, maybe a month maybe, off. Or... I mean, look, they're going to get their regular season games in, and if they have to start the season later and finish later again, Joe, I think that's what they'll do. But they're not going to sacrifice any money. I mean, look at what they're doing. No, they're gosh, no. I mean, no, they're playing I, I eight that. regular season games. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, it's ridiculous. There's no reason to play eight regular season games unless money is involved. You're telling me that the 10th uh, – look, there are still a handful of teams – that legitimately have, like, the Phoenix Suns. Like, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, I don't think they're making the playoffs. But they're giving them their opportunity to make the playoffs. What they're doing is, you know, it's more revenue for the TV, and that's all there is to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as baseball kind of goes back and forth here, and, you know, the nonsense that happened yesterday was just essentially the owner saying we could play with or without you, and eventually they'll play, and they'll get it all figured out, but it just keeps going back and forth. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, Chris Archer won't be part of any season this year, as it uh, looks like he's going to be out for... Uh, all of 2020 and then maybe even potentially some of 2021 and a very unfortunate serious injury for him and and look Chris Archer a uh, very respectable pitcher really good guy too he just never looked nearly as comfortable uh, wearing black and gold as he did when he was uh, wearing the colors of the Tampa Bay Rays and that's disappointing because I, I was a big fan of Archer but you know for fantasy purposes he just really was a big letdown last year. Yeah, and I was actually looking and hoping for a little bit of a bounce back. I took him in a few of the deeper leagues that I was in just as a flyer just to see, just for strikeouts, because looking at him and saying, hey, he wasn't healthy last year. If he's healthy this year, that's at least strikeouts. And you, every time you think you need strikeouts, guess what? You need more of them to compete nowadays in Roto leagues. So uh, the unfortunate thing is um, that, look, you know, thoracic outlet syndrome is end of careers like Matt Harvey and many others. So this is not a fun thing to uh, to, to be looking forward to. Uh, some other guys, too. Jaime Garcia, Chris Carpenter, Sean Markham, Matt Harrison, Clayton Richard, and Noah, uh, Noah Lowry. So the, there's a lot of pitchers who had some pretty good careers there and were never quite the same after this. And that is disappointing. And apparently it was not even after he was throwing. It was way after he was throwing that he was feeling the repercussions. So it wasn't even an immediate thing. And that's why it took so long to have the surgery in the first place. But when I tell you names like Matt Harvey... We all know what he was. And well, a very, was very low, very low end recovery rate from this. That's very, the unfortunate yeah. part. And not only that, but he's got a massive contract in 2021 right. with a very small um, buyout. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, really, you know, certainly bad news for Chris Archer. Terrible news for the Pirates. Wow, what a disaster! Another. I mean, they've made a lot of bad trades. Um, you know, for the last couple of years that have really, they really have. They haven't got enough back for Garrett Cole. They didn't get enough back for Austin Meadows. I mean, they just, it goes on and on and on, man. I don't even know why they trade Austin Meadows. I mean, why? What was the point of that? I don't know. I'll tell you another (laughs) thing. When the the Tampa Bay Rays call you and want your trash, you better make sure that you you sift sift through that trash before you make that deal. That's a smart organization. And, and, right. and they find ways to to get guys right and turn guys around. Uh, one also a good story, interesting that Bowling Green, uh, their college. This has nothing to do with Major League Baseball, but they've decided to reinstate their college baseball team. They haven't had one for a long period of time, and uh, they donated some money to get that going. And look, it does make sense if you're a even a smaller college at this point and you want to reinstitute your program at your university. You're going to have more of a pick of some kids out there right. with only five rounds of this draft next week. So it does make sense. 
We've been talking about it. And look, we just talked about it yesterday. And look, Bowling Green now is a baseball team. Look at that. The power of fantasy sports today on sports. That's it. That's why they did it. The next day it happens. But it's true. I mean, college baseball is possibly the only winner in all this. And uh, we'll see what happens if other colleges and universities follow suit. But it would seem at least like a smart thing to do. And it would seem like college baseball might become almost like the low A level of minor league baseball as a replacement for that. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I actually think that could be a potentially good thing. Uh, Again, I don't like redundancy in a ball. I think we're at a point now where it's just not necessary. I hate seeing jobs eliminated, but I also understand from a business standpoint, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. But let's hope that other universities follow suit and we get more kids out there on scholarships, hopefully playing baseball and getting educations. All right. With that, we'll take a quick timeout on our show fantasy sports today we come back next it's time for this day in fantasy sports for the 4th of june 2020 a little bit later on we'll dip back into the FanDuel sports book and check out a couple of props one with arguably one of the best tight ends in football will he go over or under their total also john lobb the gridiron scholar who joins us throughout the college football season is going to give us our first taste as to what we can expect in the 2020 college football season, also from a fantasy perspective. That and a whole lot more coming up next right here on FST. It is Sports Grid. Stay on the grid. We're back right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back, Craig and Joe, with you here. It's June the 4th, 2020. It's time to take a look at this day in fantasy sports history and also our fantasy sports birthdays. June the 4th uh, is is sometimes, you know, Joe, when I look at it, and we get, you know, the first few days of the month, everyone always looks at it as a negative. Oh, I got to pay my bills and things are due. But I look at it as a positive because at this point where we're at in this world, give me anything positive to look at. June the 4th, my favorite day on the calendar. Well, hey, sure. I, I, I'm I'm always trying to be positive. I mean, I just it takes a lot. It takes a lot sometimes to be that. But uh, I do my best. But uh, the negativity doesn't get you anywhere. I think it's healthy to once in a while get the negative thing, let it happen to you and let it go out. But I don't know. I always look at the beginning of the month as, I don't know, a, a, a reset. You know, I mean, I keep hoping with the beginning of the month, every time we go through that, we're going to have more good news and more things going forward. And the top of the show today, we did. So that's good. We've been kind of teased with that news for a while, and now we're moving forward with it. So we'll see if some other leagues can kind of get their own you-know-what together, and we can move forward here. But uh, by the way, did you pay pay your rent? You pay your mortgage? Everything's paid? You're good? I did pay pay my mortgage. Checking up. Make sure all the bills are paid in the Michigan We will not be kicked out. We will be able to live here for— You pay everything online? You an online payer, or you still do stamps and mail things? Pay everything online. Everything's online. Mish is a a paper Every single thing is online. Yeah, <laughs> unless my wife buys something, which happens, and then we get the bill in the mail, and I'm like, never pay it, because I didn't know it existed, and which happens, and she's like, oh, I did this. I'm like, oh, thanks. You didn't tell me. Yeah, I, I, handle, I handle all of that stuff online. I think it's the way to go. 
yeah, I look, it's it, I'm just still trying to explain to my parents about online banking and how they're not stealing their money. Oh, yeah, so, you know, they'll, they'll get me started on that. <laughs> like, and, I, and I'm sure that'll be us someday. Like, I'm sure it when we're be. in our 70s and 80s, our kids will say, oh, dad, you know, you have to do like the, the fragment banking or whatever it is or some crazy thing, whatever it is. And and we'll be like, oh, I no, I just wanted to do it on the Internet. Oh, I don't want that TikTok to blow up my house. It's a bomb. Oh, <laughs> you and your ticking and talking. Uh, I, don't I don't get it. I don't get the TikTok. I personally don't. I mean, just when you thought social media it's, couldn't get more mindless. I'm telling you TikTok. now, TikTok is going to be, it's already, but it, it's an absolute monster. And it's and it's the future. Absolutely. Why? Nope. Why? It's just people doing stupid dancing videos. That's what we love. It's going to be huge. Is it? it is I don't huge. love it. Do yes. you love it? Yes. It's never going away. All right. Well, then I guess in the third segment today, we're going to have to break out our TikTok dance. Smarter so. people than me feel TikTok is a big part of the future. All right, we shall see. I trust. I trust him. And I, and Will I'm Craig Mish join TikTok before Instagram? That that possible. is the most pressing question. Can possible. we get a poll? Can we two get a poll one. going? We got two to one odds on that. All right, two to one odds. Sports All right, this day in fantasy sports history, 1998. We didn't even go that far back today. Steffi Graf wins the French Open 6-0-6-0. Why is this important? Well, it was the fastest uh, women's French Open championship ever in less than two hours. So Steffi Graf still holds that title as the fastest uh, champion, 6-0, 6-love, 6-love. Uh, 1995. Where did, you love heroes love? where did that come from? I don't, I don't know even... how they came up with that. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, what, it's the only sport where zero is love. Zero is good. <laughs> zero is pretty good. <laughs> love. <laughs> I, who did she play, too? I feel bad for who the girl she played. Oh, I, I saw it before and I recognized the name, but I, Jeez. I didn't, it was I didn't, not I a didn't good dare to throw her under the bus. No. Well, I tried. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 1995, the Orlando Magic win their first NBA Eastern Conference uh, championship. Of course, uh, they defeated Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan came back and, uh, you know, this was the really the one, the, out of the one situation maybe over the course of his career where he did not, not look like himself. And the Magic ended up winning it, and then they played against the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets just beat them down like a sack of the. They night. did. I thought that was going to be a better series. I was really excited for that series as a kid, man. I love Shaquille O'Neal. I had my Magic jersey and everything. Big Shaq fan, big Shaq fan in college as well. And I thought him and Olajuwon, oh, this is going to be amazing. And it was a dud. It really, they were just outclassed. And I think it was a matter of the difference between young talent and the difference between basketball intelligence. And the Rockets just had a higher level of basketball intelligence, and they just absolutely just took them to school. They it really did. Close. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> 2004, Julio Franco, the oldest Major League Baseball player to hit a grand slam at the age of 45. Uh, listen, Albert Pujols, <laughs> I hate to say it, but Albert Pujols may still have to be playing until he's like 46 years old. Uh, I mean – I don't think anybody will ever hit a Grand Slam again at the age of 45, but this is not a record that I would rule out. I could see a possibility of this happening again. And How many, know. wait, I mean, now now you have me looking. How many more years does he have left on this contract? Ten more years. No, he doesn't have ten more. I don't, I don't know how many, but he's still a few. He's a free agent in 2022, so he's only got this year and two more. So, and how, and that, and how old is he? Uh, he's 112. No, <laughs> at least 40, right? Albert Pujols is definitely 40. I gotta see how he is exactly 40 years old, so he'll be 42. So, so. 42? I don't think he's gonna have three more years. I, I think he's going not, to. I think he's but gonna. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't see. I don't see Pujols going. You know what? I'm 42 years old. 
Somebody give me a three-year deal. I want to play for three more years just to – Ichiro just to kept playing field. into his 40s too. Ichiro, a little different story, a little different kind of player too, and also still a good defensive player, I think, at his age. Whereas Nelson Cruz Oaks, can play till he's 70. Well, I mean, when you're not playing the field, why not? I mean, same thing about Big Poppy, right? Big Poppy was – Big Poppy had a down year in his late 30s. I don't know, he was 37, 38, and everybody said, that's it, it's over. And then he came back for the next two years and hit like 30 plus bombs back to back years. And it was like, oh, I he guess had a wasn't. half, one half of a really bad season a few years. He ago. did. And everybody was writing him off. It was the second half of a season. I and, was writing him right off. That's and uh, it's a write off, Jerry. That's what they do. That's what They're I the ones writing it off. But I hope Nelson, Nelson Cruz is in fantastic shape. How you about Edwin Encarnacion? He could play till he's 70. Uh, Cruz more so. I saw Nelson Cruz, you know, everyone talks about spring training, best shape of their life, all that nonsense. I saw Nelson Cruz in spring training. He looked like he was 26 years old. Like that guy looks unbelievable shape. He looks, he looks young. He looks fit. He looks, you know, ready to go. And you don't play the field 160 games. Hey, it makes a huge difference. 2008, the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Eiserman win the Stanley Cup finals over the Pittsburgh Penguins four games to two. And then we end in 2012 on our show here today as the Astros in the first pick of the June draft. It was the, uh, the fourth, they uh, took Carlos Correa with the first pick overall. Correa immediately becomes a star, but has fallen short of a superstar due to a myriad of injuries, both real and weird. So. Yeah, so far. So far. He's 25 years old, and he's already, in for the years from 20 to 24, put up a very respectable slash line. I expect Carlos Correa to remind everybody why he was taken number one overall, and I expect Carlos Correa to become the franchise player of the Houston Astros in the next two years. I have very high expectations. I'm not giving up on Carlos Correa. It's too early to do that. I understand the frustration. This is an all-time low level to buy in. And depending on what happens with the Major League Baseball season, again, this will be another year where we have not a full 150-something games where Correa proves that he could stay on the field. So maybe he'll have a little bit more of a window. But if he's all-world in 80 games this year, Forget it. I think it's going to be shut. All right. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for June the 4th. And we'll start off in 1957. One of the great defensive catchers mm -hmm. in the 80s and then really good coach, good manager as well. Uh, Tony Pena really, uh, you know, revolutionized defense in the 80s. Was a uh, fantastic receiver, fantastic thrower. He was just not somebody that you wanted to challenge. And he's one of the few guys, too, with the, the, the weird things. Like you put the leg out and stuff like that. You didn't see guys do yes. that. He had the lower crouch sometimes. He had the higher crouch. He he was like catching was an art form with Tony Pena. Yeah, really good. Really good player. Yeah. 1963, the X-Man, Xavier McDaniel, was uh, the thorn in the bullside there for a while. Uh, you know, he was a good player in Seattle, and then he got to those Knicks teams, Joe, and, and became like, you know, part of the you know, the fighting group with the Knicks. Yeah, tough guy. Tough. He was the guy, was he and Jordan were, you know, going at each other a lot. Yeah, Anthony Mason was part of that group. John Starks, Patrick Ewing. Charles Oakley. Charles yeah. Oakley. It doesn't get as tough as that Knicks. I mean, they were tough. Uh, Xavier McDaniel was a, a very, very good player for them for a few years as well. And you're right, he did have some good years in Seattle, but it was when he got to New York that he kind of really blossomed into a, to a real star. And um, those are fun. Again, I just, I miss that. I miss physical basketball. I'm hoping... In July and August, when we get back into basketball here, that I see some physical playoff basketball. I, I shouldn't hold my breath, I've been told by our producer. Yeah, you're not going to have that. So you can uh, I want somebody, you know. If you want that, go back at the backyard. 
Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll go out there. I'll go hack my neighbor when he tries to go up for a layup. There it is. That's what you do. <laughs> like, like Charles Smith. Just keep blocking. Just keep uh, blocking. Just, you know, it, that physical basketball is fun to watch. You know? Yeah, well, apparently not as much fun as it is now because nobody's interested in playing it. Opinion, hey, man, the there was plenty of scoring headed. in the Jordan era last time I checked. There was plenty of scoring, but I mean. Not like it, now, and it's not even close. I don't know. We're still look. We're still talking right now about the Knicks and Bulls series, right? And we're talking why because they were high scoring and because they were hard fought. So that says it all, doesn't it? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> it was it was just a really it was a really exciting series. I mean, take a look at the lines in the NBA. The totals are like 250 instead of 200. Points are being scored 40, 50 more points per game in the NBA than they were in the 90s. Look, I don't know if it's better or not. It's just that's what's happening. Uh, Darren Erstad in 1974, really good uh, player for the Angels, of course. Uh, played for many years. I believe won a World Series, if I'm not mistaken, with them in 2002. Uh, 1993, Aaron Nola, good pitcher on the Phillies. Really good pitcher two years ago, just a good pitcher last year. We'll see what uh, happens with him this year, fronting that rotation in Philadelphia with Zach Wheeler and and uh, Jake Arrieta. And then 1997, Marquise Brown. We have a newer player in there. We don't usually have these, but we do today. Hollywood Brown of the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who uh, would probably stand to, I would say, improve on the season that he had last year. Absolutely. Started off very well and then had some injuries, unfortunately, and that does not help when you're a rookie especially. But I'm looking at him and I'm looking at Mark Andrews to kind of carry the receiving core here and, uh, you know, show that Lamar Jackson can drop back and continue to grow as a passer. Uh, and Aaron Nola is a fascinating case study, too, because bad start, bad finish. But the four months in between were very good. So yeah. if you kind of if you rode the wave and you didn't panic early, then you did all right. Or if you traded for him. But then, of course, he lets you down at the very end in playoffs. So kind of a difficult thing there. But uh, I would like to see one more receiver kind of step forward uh, on the Ravens. I don't know if that's going to be an in-house person this year or somebody else. But um, I think Marquise Brown has a fair amount of talent. And. When you add a deep threat like that, who could be so explosive, be so fast. I mean, I mean, <laughs> that Ravens team is just a handful. I mean, the Titans went in there and they handed them their lunch, but I don't see a lot of teams being able to do that in 2020. All right. We'll uh, take a brief commercial break here. And when we come back next, we'll continue talking about the uh, MLB draft. Find some of the values of those players who weren't taken in the first five rounds. What could we potentially be missing in 2020. We'll tell you that next. Also coming up in a little bit with baseball on its hiatus, we're going to dive into some potential players that we could see enter Cooperstown in the next few years. Of course, they don't have a ceremony this year, even though they told me that they were going to have a ceremony. I reported that they were going to have a ceremony, and then they canceled the ceremony and never told the guy who reported that they had a ceremony that they were canceling it. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> we'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes. Don't go away. <laughs> DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you on Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. We're going to cap off some baseball discussion with some draft discussion. We have the draft coming up next week, and of course that's going on no matter what happens with baseball. And the other thing that will go on no matter what is the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll induct new members into the class of 2020, and so we'll discuss that coming up a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, Joe, I know that you have your Diamond Bet show coming up this weekend, baseball uh, pertain show. What are you guys going to be chatting about? This yeah, weekend? Sunday live. You got two hours of Diamond Bets on Sports Grid, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, the AL West and the over unders there. We're also going to be doing some home run props and a little flipping cards, uh, which is a really fun little sketch we do with some baseball cards. So uh, if you if you like uh, if you like a good laugh on Sunday with your coffee. And a little baseball talk, then Diamond Bets is definitely the show for you, Craig. All right, so we'll check it out this week. And also, you can check out our weekend edition of Fantasy Sports Today, airing Saturday morning and Sunday night. Make sure you catch those as well. Uh, Joe, you know, that's the, the one unfortunate thing about the draft, and, and I'm excited to see it coming up next week, is the fact that you get all these uh, future superstars of the game, and it becomes really exciting. And I think that the one lost part of this is that there are going to be several players that we're not going to realize that could have been future stars, but will not have a home after June the 10th and potentially will have to either sign as a free agent or attend college or even stay in college. And so it's an interesting dynamic that we're headed toward, but certainly there's no shortage of players who didn't get drafted in the first five rounds that became stars. Yeah. And uh, we only have five rounds and we were talking about so many hall of famers in the last couple of days that were drafted in the second round and that every major league team passed on, Cal Ripken, George Brett, Mike Schmidt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Greg Maddox, right? And uh, we were talking about Albert Pujols just yesterday. So I wanted to start to deep dive a little bit and see what kind of players we might be missing out on with only having a few rounds of a draft. Because these are some guys that were taken from rounds 8 through 15. And we can go even deeper with this tomorrow if you like. But uh, just, just right off the bat here, in round 9, we can go with Fred McGriff, who was drafted, a lot of people forget by the New York Yankees. So the Yankees traded McGriff to the Blue Jays a year later. And of course he became an all-star and uh, obviously 500 home runs later. And this is a guy that, I mean, I, I don't think Fred McGriff gets a lot of credit and it's funny. And now I'm, I'm starting to understand the reasoning of why he's not, you know, in the hall of fame yet is the notion that you keep putting out is, did he play on too many different teams? And is Fred McGriff yet another guy that kind of falls victim to this? Uh, I think that's part of it. I also think he, I know it's only one home run or maybe two, but he he fell short of 400, I think, also, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I'm right. sorry. He came within seven home runs of 500. So does yeah, the seven I mean, home they're, runs they're all, matter in the steroid uh, era if he was a clean player? I mean, it probably, oh, I mean, I, I don't, I think it does. Like, I think that okay. it's really tough. I mean, there there aren't a lot of guys that played as long as he did that didn't get to 400 home runs. Um, my guess is, is that, uh, one day he will get recognized and put in. It just wasn't with the vote. But in in time, you know, the, what they have these committees now that look back at the game and say, hey, maybe we missed on a player. Or maybe the writers missed on a player. We're going to have two new players uh, put in this year. Uh, Richie Allen, who played many years mm -hmm. for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and St. Louis Cardinals. And so by all accounts, he's going to be in the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame this year. And Allen was an MVP and a great player in his day. I know a lot of you didn't see him. I didn't see him play. I was too young. But you look back on it now and you say, you look at his numbers and say, how is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? And, you know, he's a little a different kind of guy, too. Didn't always get along mm -hmm. with people, I guess. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, McGriff was never a guy 
that was the first to grab the mic. He was never the first guy to do the interview. He was not a big talker. And ironically, I did a radio show with him on uh, on fantasy baseball, and he did fantasy football shows as well. So I do think that there is an element of that, for sure, to his uh, to his non uh, kind of push to be in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't really have, although I really associate him mostly with a blue as a Blue Jay. It's funny. I associate him as a Brave. It's fun, and I guess that's the issue, right? Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's uh, and that's important. But and uh, so consistent. He also didn't have enormous. He didn't have like 50 home run seasons or things like that, but. Every year he was 3,100, 3,100, like, kind of like Paul Canerco, who I sure. just adore too, that those guys are just every year incredibly consistent for more than a decade, and it doesn't seem to matter, and I don't understand why. Uh, some other guys that went in the ninth round of drafts, uh, Goose Gossage in 1970 by the White Sox, Jesse Barfield, also a hell of a player. Talk about great Toronto yeah. Blue Jays, talk about a great arm. Uh, in round 10, Brady Anderson, drafted by the Red Sox. That's right, That's 1985. Right. Yeah. A lot of people forget Brady Anderson before the 90210 sideburns. Uh, he was drafted by the Boston Red Sox. And uh, obviously the Orioles is where he really uh, kind of began to shine. Very good defensive player, a guy who could hit home runs and steal bases. And then he had a whole lot of home runs. Uh, in fact, 50 <laughs> in one year That's in right. 1996. Uh, 50 and 21 steals. Uh, not, a, not a bad year for Brady Anderson that year, but uh, – uh, also, some other guys in round 10 that uh, historically Howie Kendrick of the Angels, who is still going and uh, now a World Series champion, and uh, Marlon Byrd of the Phillies, another guy who had some very productive years, not just for the Phillies, but for some other teams as well. Yeah, really good, uh, solid, long career for Byrd, but ended in the worst way possible. And that's unfortunate for him that he got he, uh, he got popped for PEDs and never came back. This so, is true. Uh, tough, round tough 11. Imagine if you're going to we... go out in baseball. That's not a way to go out. <laughs> no, and he's not the only one that's gone out that way. Andy so, Ramirez. I uh, know. That's the one that came to my mind. Uh, here's another round we're not going to have. We're not going to have a round 11, which means what if we don't have Andre Dawson? 1975, Andre Dawson, the Hawk, 77 Rookie of the Year with the Expos, 87 MVP with the Cubs, 438 home runs, eight gold gloves. I mean, just a tremendous player, obviously, and a great intimidating force, too. You know, here we go. The Hawk, that's a nickname. The Crime Dog, Fred McGriff, that's a nickname. Please, for the love of God in sports, let's bring back the better nicknames. But imagine, you know, no round 11, no Andre Dawson. Imagine if the next Andre Dawson slips through the cracks this year. Yeah, Hawk played in a ver at a very small school in, uh, in Florida. Mm -hmm. Didn't get the attention until his senior year. Um, you know, didn't get the attention for the Hall of Fame. Took him 15 years to get into the Hall of Fame. Kind of ridiculous. When I grew up in the 80s, that was one of the two or three guys that, to me, was one of the most intimidating. And um, and of all the Hall of Famers and that are, that are out there, I certainly have good relationships with a lot of them. Um, none better than I have with Andre Dawson to this day. Talk to him a lot. Um, really, you know, appreciate everything that he does. He's a really sharp guy when it comes to hitting and defense. The shame mm -hmm. of it is the Marlins uh, let him go. He's now an executive with the Cubs. But, and uh, and I miss seeing him and talking to him every day. And the one thing that he does now that nobody knows about, oh, what they do, they've done stories about it, but I'm sure that if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you now, is uh, he runs a mortuary. Huh. He's a, he's a mortician. Wow. Well, I mean, hey, 
you're you're never going to go out of business, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what he says. There's always somebody or something. Really interesting. I don't know why he chose to go that road, but he's that's what he does. It's a a really solid investment, right? I mean, there's no way around that. Uh, Some other solid investments in round 11, historically, Major League Baseball draft, Chili Davis. With the Giants in 77, who's a hitting coach now, but obviously Chili Davis, a, a fine hitter through many years with the Giants, the Angels, the Yankees, other teams. Uh, Jeff Cirillo of the Brewers, also a round yeah. 11 selection. Another player who had a really good window for like three or four years where Jeff Cirillo is a really strong batting average guy, a nice nice fantasy value. Always like Jeff Cirillo on my pe- team. How about- He had how, one really good year. Like one he did. Really he had one really good, good year and then a couple other decent ones and then- and then that's all she wrote pretty much. But uh, how about round 12, Nolan Ryan, 1965 by the Mets. I, I never heard of him, but he's. No, nah, I never like- heard of him. He did okay. Uh, again, it's just, it's fascinating to think about if the Mets had held on to Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver, how that would have changed. But Nolan Ryan was not a big fan in New York and hence the the deal for Jim Fergosi and the rest is history. Also in round 12, uh, Bill North of the Cubs and Johnny Ray of the Astros. But Nolan Ryan in the 12th round, I don't know how you let a guy with that much talent who throws that hard, you know, maybe he just wasn't a good interview in the room. I mean, he was a, he was a real yeah, quiet guy, especially. That, in his that's before me, but I don't know. I don't know on that one, but yeah, I mean, look, they, traded, they, they let, they let Seaver go too. So, well, look, 294 players got drafted. Well, the funny thing about Seaver is Seaver, they got because of a, a, a weird coin flip. Remember that there was a, there was a strange thing with um, something went wrong with a draft and then they had to have a special draft and then the Mets won a coin flip, and that's how they got Tom Seaver. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird story, and I can't imagine. So one time the coin flip went right for the New York Mets. Uh, let's move on. Obviously, yesterday we talked about it. 13th round, Albert Poole, so we won't spend too much time on that. But Jim Tomey, also a 13th round pick. And so was Jack Clark, who came up with the Giants and then had some really good years with the Cardinals and then some uh, disappointing years for the Yankees. I think the Yankee fans never quite uh, embraced Jack Clark. Round 14, how about this one? Dave Parker. I mean, he's got two world titles. What, I mean, everywhere this guy went, the clubs won. That's not an accident. Great offensive player, great defensive player. Greg, I want Dave Parker to get in the Hall of Fame before he is not with us because I know he is not a well man, and it made me sad that he did not make it this past year. Yeah, no, I uh, big fan of Dave Parker, and you know, I I think eventually he will get in. It's just a shame he's going to have to wait a little while longer. All right, we'll wrap it up here with round fifteen, and your boy Jose Canseco, nineteen eighty two. He was a fifteenth round. I am. Yeah. Now I guess here's a question. So he was a fifteenth round pick. When do you when does Canseco say that he started experimenting with the uh, with the juice? Because he is said this- he did it in high school. I think. So, so he did it in high school, but he was still just a 15th round pick. And then eventually, obviously, we all know, uh, 86 Rookie of the Year, 88 MVP, uh, the first 40-40 man in baseball history. Also, who went in the 15th round? Uh, Dwayne Murphy of the A's, who had uh, some pretty good years. Right, I remember him. Good. Uh, yeah. And Jake Peavy, who is actually, Peavy. Uh, in a couple years, going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about him in a second. But okay. Jose Canseco, a 15th round selection there. 40-40 guy. It's a lot of people passing on Jose Canseco. I wonder I wonder if there was uh, questions then or if it was just people just didn't see him developing into, I guess, what he became. Because you and I both know, as kids in the 80s, it was a certain point in time in 1988 where you couldn't get more red hot than Jose Canseco in terms of baseball sure. value and stock. 
Yep, stealing bases, hitting home runs, no question. And All right, uh, five hundred dollars on eBay for a rookie card. <laughs> That's coming up tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's do this. We have some uh, potential uh, baseball Hall of Famers to go over, so we're going to hit that next. You're watching Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. For those of you who want to see our shows on demand, here's how you do it: log on to our YouTube channel on Sports Grid. And all of our content is there, every single one of our shows. In fact, I was looking earlier today at the morning after and uh, Coast to Coast, Scott Farrell, The Early Line, all, all of our shows are there. Uh, Diamond Bets is even there, too. So just head on over there, uh, like the shows, subscribe to the shows. And every day when they go over to YouTube, guess what? It goes right to your phone. Boom, pop it up, open it up, and you can watch our shows on demand whenever you want, even if you miss our show live. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports Today in just two minutes. Go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back. Coming up, we're going to dip back into the FanDuel Sportsbook as Joe and I are going to take a look at some props for 2020, specifically a deep look at Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think uh, has really been a consistent tight end for many years. And we're going to talk about the possibility of him uh, having a better year last year or a, uh, a better year this year. We'll see. Uh, also, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar, covers college football over at Fantrax, and he's got his rankings out, his early rankings, for those of you who are going to get involved in some best ball leagues, maybe in uh, June, July, August, who knows. Uh, if you are, you want to stay tuned because he's coming up in just a few minutes. Before we do that, let's talk about the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. They canceled the ceremony this year, and so essentially the induction is going to happen the following year, uh, 2021, Larry Walker, uh, Ted Simmons, and of course, Derek Jeter will get into the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame at that time. Uh, well, it'll be a big ceremony that day, Joe, uh, or will it? I mean, maybe it won't. I mean, maybe nobody gets in the Hall of Fame next year, and then it'll just be those three guys. Um, that certainly could be the case. Schilling, um, Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds are all, this was their eighth year. So they oh, still so, have- Oh, okay, right. Oh, well, I'm not, well, we'll get to Schilling. But yeah, so Bonds and Clemens, Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the sentiment is they're probably going to miss again this coming year. <laughs> it's too but bad again, they put it this year where there's no ceremony. They could have just I, got I, it. What, what right. <laughs> I, I think they were at like 70% or 71%. Uh, the percentage, let's see, we are at Roger Clemens is 65.9, Barry Bonds 72.7, I think. Okay. Oh, wait. So- uh, no, sure? I'm sorry. That's no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. My, my apologies. I was looking at the wrong number. Roger Clemens, 61. Barry Bonds, 60.7. My apologies. Okay. So, so they're going to get closer to 70 this year. You know, they'll they'll push 70, and then in their final year, they're going to get in the Hall of Fame. Um, that's that's the way that I'll go down. They're making them wait the 10 years. But uh, Kurt Schilling, I I think is the next uh, Baseball Hall of Famer. And if and if the voting is if I'm not missing something, and if for some reason it's not coming to mind, he was here, at 70 percent last year. 
Right, but I think that Schilling is the only one that we even with a shot next year, right? Like he's the only one we, we, with even a chance. Uh, basically, yeah. I mean, right. this this whole segment was born because you made an interesting statement, which is, boy, that not a lot of pitchers are going to be going in the Hall of Fame the next couple of years because we were talking about some of these incredible pitchers and you know that in our recent memory, and then all of a sudden there's kind of like a drop off because these new plateaus of you know nobody's got 300 wins anymore, no one right. has 3,000 strikeouts anymore. All of those plateaus are now dead, so we have to kind of start to reevaluate what it means to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, I think, now going forward because specialization and the limiting of innings and all of that, at a certain point, has to come into account. Now, I don't know when it's coming into account. Now, I would agree that Schilling does get in. He was at 70% last year. I think we both agree Roger Clemens is going to get in. So those two guys in the next couple of years will get in. Those pitchers will be done. But it's some other guys that, again, I, I want to have an open mind here. I think they're worth a discussion because we have to reconfigure our brain and we can't compare them to Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox. And we certainly can't compare them to a lot of other guys from the sixties and fifties and those guys, because it's a very different era. So here in uh, 2021, some new faces will be eligible as pitchers, Tim Hudson and Tim Lincecum, the twin, the Tims, the two twins Uh, and uh, four-time all-star Tim Hudson, 17 seasons with the A's, the Braves and the Giants. Uh, here's the resume for Tim Hudson. He finished five, a uh, top five in the Cy Young voting three times, uh, second place uh, finish in 2000. He also finished with a career of 222 wins to just 133 losses or a 625 winning percentage, which is pretty darn good. Uh, he's one of only 16 pitchers in history to reach that combination. Uh, so he was also a member of the 2014 World Championship Giants. So pitched on a lot of good A's teams, pitched on some good Giants teams as well. Tim Hudson above 200 wins is 225 wins or 250 wins. Now the new threshold for that, or do we throw wins out altogether? And we're looking more at K per nine. We're looking more at ERA and whip and things of that nature. So I know you say the name Tim Hudson and it might not pop to you right away as a hall of famer, but when we have to look at a new slate and a fresh set of eyes here, does Tim Hudson garner any consideration at least in your mind? Yeah, I, I think that it's more of a discussion for Tim Hudson as to whether or not he makes it onto the ballot a second year. I mean, that's, Oof, that's, wow, yeah. harsh. Yeah. That is way harsh, way harsh. Well, well, we're look, not I'm getting a, close. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan, but but I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that he he qualifies in that category for me. I mean, I could see him getting 10% of the vote next year. I mean, I, I could see that, um, but I, I don't think that he has any shot. Uh, to get into Cooperstown, unless he goes through a veterans committee of some kind. I mean, look, I mean, you have guys like Tommy John who won almost 300 games, Burt Blylevin, 3,700 strikeouts. This guy waited forever to get in the Hall of Fame. So um, it will, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be through the baseball writers. It'll have to be another way. And maybe we'll look back on Hudson's career in 10 years from now differently than we do now. But uh, I don't, I don't see a route for him. Well, it's, it's very difficult because I think of Tim Hudson as a winning pitcher. And I think of him being one of these guys that had good numbers, maybe not dominant numbers, but was always winning. And yeah, I think yeah. that that yeah. does matter. Uh, I also think was he the in the conversation of the best pitcher in baseball at the time? Never. I don't think the answer is yes to that. And I think that's where I always struggle. So it's it's the guy that wasn't always that. Now the next Tim, Tim Lincecum, there were a couple of years where he was in that conversation as the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, so this is the opposite. No shot. Yeah. No shot. No shot. Okay. But I mean, like we got, we got a segment here. I want, I want to, I want to at least give the resume and I want to hear it out. So if Tim Hudson has a long, very good career, we're in big trouble. If this is the way they were. Well, these are, these are the names are going here. Uh, Tim Lincecum, two-time National League Cy Young Award winner in 08 and 09, four-time All-Star, 
He did pitch 10 seasons for the Giants and Angels. Uh, he led the NL in strikeouts three times. He's a member of three World Series winning teams. And he was also 5-2 and two with a 2-4 ERA in 13 postseason appearance. So a pretty good postseason pitcher as well with Tim Lincecum. Now, I understand it didn't World end Series well. Championships. Well, look, I, I know it didn't end well. I know it wasn't a long career. But for a short period of time, it was a dominant one. So if the more compiler, Tim Hudson, doesn't make it, Tim Lincecum, is that more impressive of a resume to you in your mind? No, I would go with Hudson. Okay. Over Tim Lincecum. I mean, look, Joe, Johan Santana is not getting in the Hall of Fame. You are not I, putting in these guys I, in real I'm not Santana. disagreeing with you. I'm trying to say, look, this is what we've got. We this don't have a lot. We don't have a lot. But no. but maybe we don't have a lot because we're trying to compare them to I Nolan think Bartolo Ryan. Bartolo Colon has a better shot than these two guys. Oh, I don't think so. But that's the thing. Like, is that I mean, a more? All, it's all subject to opinion. But I I don't know. I mean, I love Bartolo Colon. That would be a fantastic. Induction. Oh, you know what? He got he got popped though. So yeah. No. Oh yeah, that's there you go. So there you go. No 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 Hall of Fame plaque for him. Uh, but I, I just I'm trying my best to find. The new well, definition. You have to try harder because these no, guys no, no, are no. not getting I, in the I'm trying my best to find the new definition of what a starting pitcher Hall of Famer is because they're not the same. The Maddox and, and, and Schillings and Brandy Johnson, those guys are gone and done. This doesn't exist anymore. These guys aren't pitching for, for 20 years. These guys are not going to be doing that. They're not going to be making it's, it's 38 very, starts a year. It's very difficult, uh, but I, I think that I, I think that when you close your eyes and dream of potential Hall of Famers, I don't think that Hudson and Lincecum, I think that you can give a quick no on those and feel pretty good about it. So. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to the next one here. Let's go with Jake Peavy, three-time All-Star, 2007 National League Cy Young Award winner, pitched 15 seasons with the Padres, White Sox, Red Sox. He did lead the league in strikeouts twice, ERA twice, victories once. Uh, he was also took home the NL Pitching uh, Triple Crown in 2007. Yeah. Uh, won a gold glove, so a very good defensive pitcher as well. Posted, uh, unfortunately, he did pitch on some bad teams, so the win total is only at 152, uh, right. which is and not so, the great. The end. <laughs> and that's but but, but I go. think but I think that PV will hang on the ballot a little longer than these other guys because of what he accomplished. So I think that there's a possibility of that. I mean, the bottom line is that uh, the veterans committee is going to be putting in uh, pitchers, and that's it. Those, those, that's the only way a pitcher is going to be getting in outside of Schilling and outside of Clemens, um, I think, potentially. Well, the last guy on the list here is eligible in a few years. Well, this is an easy one, and I, and I, I think it is. Some people don't. So oh, let's let's go through the resume here. He led the American League of Victories twice, strikeout-to-walk ratio twice, became the 17th member with 3,000 strikeouts, so he does hit a threshold. Uh, now, 3,000 strikeouts, that might be a threshold some other guys reach but forget 300 wins, man. That is, that, I don't know if we're ever going to see that happen anymore. Uh, in addition to the 09 Cy Young, he also finished top five in the AL Cy Young voting four times. Uh, we know he won the World Series with the Yankees. But for me, I always remember that run he had when he got traded to Milwaukee, Craig, where he basically picked up this he Brewers did. team on his back, not only with his arm, but also with his bat. Because remember, he was, he was hitting some home runs and he was just doing right. it, man. He was incredible. I think Sabathia's a Hall of Famer. I would vote for him on the first oh, yeah. ballot. I got no problem with that. What do you think about him? Yeah, Again, and, and, and I don't wins. know that That's 10 years ago, I don't know that 10 years ago he would have been a lock. But given the state of where we're at now, this is a guy is a perfect example of somebody who will uh, get in. And it may not be the first ballot. It'll be the second, you know. But he, he will, in my mind, 
uh, absolutely be there. It's going to be a drought for a long period of time. Right. And then in terms of after that, it's going to be really tough because, uh, I mean, you'll wait for Kershaw to retire. I think that you could safely say he's going to get in. You could say even with the, the cheating stuff, I think Justin Verlander uh, is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think Max Scherzer, if he hasn't locked himself up already a spot, he's very close to being in there as well. So that's a third pitcher that I would say. And then, you know, there are going to be a couple of borderline guys that are still playing probably in their last season. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright to me is someone that's got to get strong consideration. Uh, uh, I struggle to be in the Hall that. of Fame. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, how, I mean, Adam Wainwright was very good for two or three. I put him with Lincecum. I, I do. He just, he's just lasted a little longer. I, I, you really would think Adam Wainwright is. Well, I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I, I would, I think that Wainwright's career is far superior to, to uh, Lincecum, but I, I'd have to take a look at the numbers. And then the other one is Felix Hernandez. I mean, that's another interesting <laughs> one because he didn't, have the longevity, but I do believe that when he comes up for the Hall of Fame in six, seven years, and he won't be a first ballot guy, people will look and say, man, who's going to even come close to Felix Hernandez's numbers? So, um, you know, those are the ones at least that are at the end of the line that come to mind that mm -hmm. are pitching right now, uh, but at least for me. And, and again, the character also of Wainwright is going to give him a percent or two. Like he is. A very well, look, I, I think if the new threshold is now 250 wins and 3000 strikeouts, if that, if Sabathia sets the new bar, which I think is very fair, then you're going to see a lot of those guys like the AJ Burnett's of the world and Mark Burley's of the world and, you know, not get anywhere close. And those are the, some of the names that are basically up for consideration. Billy Wagner, the next three years. I, I don't agree with it, but Billy Wagner probably was going to, I don't agree with it either. I would not put but him he will. in. But... He, I mean, look, he's, 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 he's in at, at, at the position that he's in right now in terms of voting. It does lean toward a possibility of it uh, of it happening. Oh, you know, uh, Craig Kimbrell also is another one that probably eventually gets in. Well, I think he has to have another. I think he has at least one or two good more. Kenley Jansen too. I forgot about him. Yep. See now, now we're just off the reservation here. No, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't I, put any of these I, guys I, in the Hall of Fame. You one you, but uh, I, I would I would bet Kenley Jansen's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, they barely impact. The, the amount of games they impact or innings they impact in the season it's is different. It's, it's, I know, a different I know. Of, it's a different standard. It's a different year. That'll do it for our first hour. We'll be back with more in just two minutes. Don't go away. game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.